TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Well, let's hope they'll make us want to shout today. And not cry, Joe. That's right. You know, we want to be (laughs) shouting. Happy game day. It is hardline. Obviously, the Bills aren't what we're going to be talking about all show, but why not? It's It's week one, game one. Why not kick off talking about? For real quick, our opinions on what's going to happen today. Brenda, everyone heard mine during Randy's show, so we'll start with you. Bills in New York, first of two straight games. I, isn't that crazy? At MetLife Stadium. It's funny it's worked out that way. And I read on Twitter that you never want to take anything for granted. But if the Bills win today, three going 3-0 into that Patriots game becomes even more likely. Uh-huh. What do you think about today? ESPN's got us as 59% underdogs. Uh, you know, I, I feel strangely optimistic about it, Joe. I've been a long-suffering Bills fan, absolutely live and die with the team for years and years. My husband and I were 25-year season ticket holders. We went to two of the four Super Bowls. You know, love the team. I was so amped up for this weekend. I just cannot wait for football this year, more this year than in, a, in previous years. I think it's because the, the Bean and McDermott team now have three years under their belt they're really putting their signature on this buffalo bills team i like what josh allen is doing and saying it feels like a little bit you know feels a little reminiscent of the kelly years i can only hope that uh, allen could be at least half as good as kelly was um and i like the young leadership on the uh defense i thought it was really interesting that they named tremaine edmonds as a captain and here he is just year number two vatek guy of course uh, so I feel optimistic now at four o'clock. I might be crying in my beer, but uh, I hope not. I think the Bills are going to win today. You know, it's funny. Brian Mazarowski has been saying all week that this game could really change everyone's opinion. Lose to the Jets. Then it just feels like you're playing from behind, right? You've lost your first conference game. You don't have another division game till the Patriots. So you could very well be starting 0-2 in the division. Um, Yeah, I feel really optimistic as well. Uh, I I think this offense is going to be even better than it was last year. Josh Allen, as you said, has that year under his belt. Um, You know, and on defense, Tremaine Edmonds is a beast. Jerry Hughes is still very viable. Exactly. I I think the defense, Randy said it uh, in the last show, the defense will definitely have to make a stand. And I think that'll be the way all season. I don't care if it's the ugliest game of the, of the year or the ugliest game of the week every week. A win is a win. And as I said for the Virginia Tech Hokies yesterday, it was ugly, but they got a win. Right. I hope the Bills can do that. Maybe a little better look and fashion today. Beam, if the Bills won 3 nothing today, I'd be happy. Yeah, it's a exactly. win. It's, you know, it's a, a yes in the uh, win column. Thank you very much. Right. It can be as boring <laughs> as Thursday night's game was. Oh, <laughs> you t- I have a lot of trouble sleeping. That was, that was insomnia. Curing. I mean, that game was so dull. It was. I thought, you know what? When I'm up in the middle of the night and can't sleep, I should just pop that game on. Oh, It'll yeah. put you to sleep. That that definitely. I did not. I have to admit, Brenda. As you know, my schedule is early anyway. I did not make it through the Thursday night game. You didn't game. miss much. No, that's what I hear. I, I didn't miss much at all. It's like uh, missing the Marshall Boise State game from Friday. Didn't miss anything. <laughs> hey, on a college note of regional interest, it was really fun to see UB stick around for as long as they did. That first half was so exciting, and uh, it reminded me of the Bills Super Bowl, um, the last Super Bowl they were in, the fourth one, where up until the half you felt very optimistic, and I expected UB to probably 
probably lose that game last night. I figured that the wheels would, would come off. But, boy, I just hope that that punter is okay. That poor yeah. kid, um, Evan Finnegan, it was just a gruesome injury when he was hit as he was in mid-punt. And uh, I read this morning that he has a fractured tibia and fibula. So pretty nasty stuff. Who knows if he'll ever step on the gridiron again. But yeah. let's hope he has, you know, quality of life. That's what counts. Let's hey, hope he but, has a great recovery. But yeah, we, but it was a fun game. It was a fun game. We listened to it on the radio.com app, as you can every UB game. Oh, you were traveling back, Yeah, right? driving back from Blacksburg. So uh, we did the whole flip around, see what other games were on. And that was fun. So UB... Lost, but they looked good doing it. Syracuse, on the other hand, oh. lost, didn't look good at all. Oh. And it hurts me because Josh Jackson, quarterback for Maryland, is a Virginia Tech transfer. So, of course, I was hoping he'd go to Maryland and just be awful. Right. Obviously, in his first two games, especially uh, yesterday, not the case. Yeah, Syracuse really, uh, really looked awful. So, what was it, 60 to 28? 63 20. 63 20. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's almost like a basketball score. Yeah. Well, so. two basketball schools. So that True. that is our sports segment. When we we're actually gonna, let's take an early break, Brenda, and then we can set the uh, the topic without setting it and then having to go to a quick break. You know, Joe, I like that, and I love sports, as you can probably tell, because I'm I'm sporting my Bills shirt today, and I also have on my U.S. Open vest because I right. went to the Open. I'm a big. I like the majors in tennis, like Wimbledon, the Open, the French, the Australia. Um, it's just a great time to be a sports fan, but it's also a great time to talk politics, and there's so much going on. So let's talk politics, get ready for the game at 1, and we got you covered. That's right. We will get into that topic or topics when we come back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy with you. Hope everyone's having a great game day Sunday, the first of 2019. That's right. The Bills did not play January 1st last year. Joe, when I was a producer at the Empire Sports Network, you remember I've told you about my history. I, I produced at Empire for a long time. Yeah. We used to do a feature on my show called The Bonehead of the Week. I produced a show called Fan TV. If any of you folks remember, it text me at 30930. I loved doing Howard that Simon. show. Howard Simon. Howard Simon. Jim t- Branson. I always tell Howard, I remember watching him on Fan TV when I was in elementary school. Oh, I bet he loves hearing that. Yeah. Howard yeah. had hair at the time. Yeah, I, I which know. Which he will absolutely tell you about. <laughs> so uh, we did a uh, segment at 630 every Friday, I think it was, where we would do the bonehead of the week. And I was thinking about with the news that broke over the weekend, Antonio Brown would be a slam dunk bonehead of the week this week. Who's the bigger bonehead, though, Antonio Brown or the team that picked him up? Well, I don't have a lot of regard for the Patriots, yeah. you know, the cheaters. It, doesn't this seem a little hinky to you that all of a sudden he's gone? If you saw the video of him getting his release, he's running through the house, running outside. It feels like five minutes later, the Patriots sign him. Yeah, right away. Really? Yeah. Well, he did take a $21 million cut. So well, I don't can, think he's clipping coupons anytime no, soon. No, I mean, I'll take that $21 million. <laughs> the, 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 the Raiders are now looking to give to someone. I'll and be I, a consultant. I watched uh, Hard Knocks this year on HBO with the Raiders. Of course, we found out after the fact it was heavily edited, but it still gives you a kind of inside glimpse of what it's like behind the scenes with the team. And there was just something about Antonio Brown the whole way through that felt very disingenuous. He didn't seem sincere about anything and I can't wait to see what he does with the Patriots it'll be interesting to see if he can stay healthy because I don't think he's in the shape that you would want him to be in between his feet and all the other stuff the helmet nonsense all that stuff that was going on yeah it'll be interesting um but we just know how the Patriots work they They do manage they don't they don't usually field someone who doesn't show up (laughs) or if they do um and it's a problem Belichick has no problem right away 
right away done. done. Yep. All right. So this week, uh, obviously, the big news dominating Buffalo was everything uh, around the bishop. Channel 7 had another investigative piece, Charlie Speck. This time it was hidden tapes, and uh, that kind of dominated Buffalo News. Those tapes, I believe, were released either Tuesday or early, early on Wednesday, and that dominated the news the rest of the week. As you know, Friday, uh, or Thursday, Sandy and Tom both talked about it. Again on Friday, I talked about it, and then Tom had the bishop in. Other people, though, obviously commenting on it, including politicians. Here are 12 comments Brian Higgins made in a press conference, by the way, that had nothing to do with the bishop, but of course this comes up. Brian Higgins is a Catholic, and uh, here's a few things he had to say, and then Brenda and I will give our opinions. So I think uh, Bishop Malone, given the revelation of this uh, audio tape that was obviously made available from somebody that had the bishop's confidence, uh, he has a lot to answer for. And uh, I think that this is, again, in direct conflict with what the bishop told us um, was his position as it relates to uh, transparency and uh, fixing the problems uh, that have endured uh, in the Catholic diocese for decades. All right, Brenda, we'll play a few more clips, but before we play the rest of the clips and before I ask the question, obviously we're going to ask the listeners today, What do you think, A, about the tapes released uh, through Channel 7, through the whistleblowers? Answer that, and then I'll ask the second question. Well, I just think it it reinforces the fact that the bishop has to resign. Um, And by the way, I want to give props to Tom Bowerly for the way he handled the interview Friday with the bishop. I I was here at at work when uh, the bishop came in with his PR person and a couple of other people, and I thought, you know, it's really quite a coup for us to get the guy in here. And Tom has to walk a fine line between being respectful of this gentleman, but also asking very pointed questions. And uh, the more I hear the bishop talk, the more I think he needs to resign. I'm Catholic, and I think I would um, label myself a lapsed Catholic to some degree because I have different issues that I struggle with and I wrestle with being a Catholic about some of the edicts of the church. And when I think about, you know, going to church on a given Sunday mass or a Saturday mass, so many of them have now, um, I can't help but automatically think of what's happening with the bishop. And it makes me feel less inclined to go to church. Now, do I still pray, believe in God? Yes. But I, I have a hard time thinking of this man as the leader of the Western New York Diocese. I really think he has to go. And I think Brian Higgins uh, framed it correctly. Yeah, you, you know, for me as a non-Catholic, uh, I, I also try to walk a fine line because I'm not bashing the Catholic Church. I, I tried to make this clear on Friday. I'm not bashing the Catholic Church when I say my opinions of the bishop. However, I do think at a certain time uh, you have to separate what the, the man's power from what he's doing and put that in any other situation. OK, put the bishop in a normal workplace in, in charge of a department and numerous accounts he's not only covering up but then when he's called out on it he is lying to people that depend on him i mean the this is a man of god this is a man who he epitomizes that he's a very powerful man with and and, and, you know catholicism dominates religion in western new york i mean he's a very powerful man in western new york no doubt um and, and i think he's giving not only the bishop a bad name. He's given the position a bad name. He's giving the church a bad name. And now the diocese has to focus more on 
an FBI investigation. Uh, who knows what else Charlie Speck has? I, I think he's got a whole uh, filing cabinet full of stuff. And now they're more focused on either the abuse allegations or continuing to cover it up instead of what they're supposed to be doing, and that is spreading the message and doing the good deeds that we know the diocese and Catholic charities do. You know, I, I envision the bishop leading the flock, and I see him falling off a cliff at this point, Joe. That's how I see it, and that's why there's too many things. And it seems, you know, every few weeks you get more priests who are under investigation, put on administrative leave. You have more whistleblowers coming out. You have more people who are clearly suffering. Those folks who allege abuse at the hands of priests, and it looks like their lives have been affected since you know, for decades. These are many of these men are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, suffered this abuse, allegedly, when they were kids. And you can see the impact it's had on their lives. I can't imagine what their lives are like uh, away from the microphones. I mean, they're, they're clearly suffering in front of the public. Imagine what it's like for them day to day. And, and, and to see a guy that you think is going to be the one to come in here, finally expose what's been covered up for decades. And then, and this is just one example, and I know I brought it up on Friday, so I apologize. But you uh, see that letter from Father Yetter that I have now mentioned like three days in a row. You see that letter, and what does it say in that letter, Brenda? Amongst other things, don't forget, I am the second grossing uh, church in Western New York, you wouldn't want to change. You wouldn't want to remove me from this parish. Isn't that awful? If it comes down to dollars and cents. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, I think it all goes back to giving the Catholic religion a bad name. Yes, of course and, it does. And we do this in politics, right? We say, uh, I said this in 2018. Chris Collins gave Republicans a bad name, uh, and just voting for the party doesn't change anything. And I think now, and I think a lot of people fear Brenda that if they go against the bishop, they're going against the church. And I think that's two totally different things. I look at Siobhan O'Connor, and I think she is doing what she's doing for the better of the church. She's able to separate the two things. Oh, yeah, clearly. And the woman, you know, I've heard her interviewed many times right here on WBEN, right from this very uh, studio, and seems very sincere about her intentions. And, you know, you, you, to your point, Joe, about if it were in the private sector that this was happening— it would be. It would have been over months ago, especially in this era of Me Too. More than ever, there's an emphasis on this kind of thing. And for the bishop to try to cover that up is unconscionable. And the thing that really bugged me, too, is that, that press conference where he barred Charlie Specht from um, attending the press conference, saying the space was limited. Really? Do you think people are really going to buy that? What are you afraid of? Right, exactly. It, it's just unbelievable. I mean, there's there's too many things happening with this bishop for him to have any credibility, and he is leading the flock right off the edge of the cliff. Now, the question that I'd like to ask you, Brenda, I'd like to ask our listeners, and it seems like a few people on the text board already know where we're going with this. Should Brian Higgins, as an elected official, be talking about his opinion of the Catholic bishop? Now, I think personally— he was speaking as a Catholic, not as the congressman. What are your uh, I, I thoughts? I think he has every right to do that. He's a human being and he's a Catholic. And uh, I don't, just because he has, you know, REP in front of his name, been a longtime congressman, doesn't mean he can't have opinions about his faith. And he's in a position to make his, his voice known about this topic. I think he has every right to say that. So that is our first question on Hardline today. Where does that separation of church and state go? And are people like Brian Higgins, people like Andrew Cuomo, should they be able, or, or is it, I mean, they should, they can be, it's America. Um, is it right for them 
as a congressman and as a governor to speak out on their opinions of what's going on in the Catholic Church. Now, it's no secret I am no fan of Brian Higgins' policies or Andrew Cuomo's policies. However, as Brenda said, these are human beings, right? And they are practicing Catholics. We know Brian Higgins because it works the other way, as Sandy said, and it was disgusting. He was in church one day, and he got called out for something he did in Washington. Which I thought was totally inappropriate. Exactly. That was in church. In church. This is Brian Higgins away from church, not in front of, you know, not, not, not at a mass. He was asked the question as a Catholic, what, what do you think? Not as a congressman. I think as a congressman, he shouldn't, you know, say on the Congress floor, this is what I think. But... Out in a press conference, he can say, well, as a Catholic, I'm, I'm not going to use my power as a congressman, but as a Catholic, this disturbs me. This is my me. view, yeah. of course. It would this- be like asking him any other question about his personal life if he chose to answer it. And it's not as if he called the press conference to talk about that. Right. It was a press conference about a totally different matter. So my question to you, uh, t- this first segment here on Hardline, the first question we're asking today, should politicians be commenting on the Catholic bishop or Catholic diocese situation. And also, we will take your calls on what do you think is the right move for the the bishop, Bishop Malone, and the Catholic diocese to do now? It's a Sunday. What better day to talk about the church? It's It's a perfectly appropriate time. In fact, maybe some of you are on your way to Mass, some perhaps coming out of Mass. I'd like to know, too, if you're in church today or if you went to Mass yesterday, has it been addressed? Has anybody said anything about this? I know there was a vigil last week for one of the priests who was on administrative leave uh, from St. Aloysius. There were a lot of parishioners who apparently showed up to support this priest. I'd like to know, too, for folks who are going to Mass, is it being addressed by the priest in the pulpit? And how often do you bring it up to fellow parishioners? 803-0930, if you want to text us, 30930. We'd love to talk to you about it. Give us your two cents right here. All right, Alan Harris, take it away. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy. The lowdown. Yeah. Joe, the dirty lowdown. Thanks to uh, Scott Wilson for pulling that out for Scott me. Miller. Or, excuse me. Scott Miller. Pardon me, Scott. Uh, at least I get your first name right. But Scott I, Wilson. Was that one of the Beach Boys? No, that was Brian Wilson. Wasn't there another Wilson? Yeah, there's, there were a few Wilsons, yeah. actually, yeah. But in any case, appreciate the uh, Boz Gags music, one of my all-time favorite artists. And the lowdown on uh, a couple of big topics today, Joe, the ongoing scandal in the Catholic Church here in Buffalo. And, of course, it's Buffalo Bills Sunday, the first regular season game. The bullets are real this week, so there's plenty to talk about. And, you know, we're getting some very interesting uh, comments on the text board today, Joe, about Catholics. And as I mentioned uh, I am Catholic, and uh, I went through the whole process of, you know, what we, as children, Catholic school, catechism, of course, baptism, communion, confirmation. 
and go to church sometimes and other times I don't. And this really has me questioning what's going on in the Buffalo Diocese. And I don't think for the sake of any credibility here that this bishop can continue. As a Catholic, it bothers me greatly to see these different priests' names, many of whom are pretty well-known priests, uh, have these allegations made about them, and they were covered up apparently. So, and the and the lies have continued, and the bishop is adamant and digging in his heels about not wanting to leave. So, my question is for folks who have been to church either yesterday at Saturday masses, or perhaps during the week, um, or this morning, what have you heard from any of the deacons or priests there? And I have a text from somebody who was at the Newman Center. And the priest at that point, or apparently it was the deacon, said he encouraged people to lean in, speak up, and take their church back. He was applauded, and apparently he had said to the congregation, quote, you are the church. And I appreciate the texter sending me this information. So it's not as if, Joe, that they're putting their head in the sand at the churches where this uh, very topic is being addressed. And I'd like to know how people respond to that. Do you think that it should be brought up in the Mass? Uh, I think it absolutely should be addressed. It's the elephant in the room. I, I think part of the problem with this whole situation is that it was swept under the rug for so long. And that, you know, obviously is not going to make the problem go away. And that's what really disturbs me. I mean, a lot of this disturbs me, let's be honest. Uh, uh, but about this bishop is, no, I don't blame the bishop for things that happened before he came to Buffalo. However, he continued to cover it up. He continued. He didn't go back. He knew that he, he had all the files at his at his uh, disposal. disposal. Yeah. And he did nothing to go back and say, hey, the last bishop did blank A, B, and C. Um, that's not going to happen here. But he just continued, and I hate to use this word, but what seemed to be a tradition of just covering up. Just Stand kind of a, true, yeah. It, yeah. It's like a sin of omission because it wasn't brought to light and it was covered up. And there were people, apparently, if you read today's Buffalo News article, which is really eye-opening, uh, you know, some of the bishop's top staff and, uh, you know, top lieutenants, if you will, uh, helped in this cover-up. And it's absolutely despicable that this continued to go on. So... Please give us a call if you have any comments on this, 803-0930. Um, and I appreciate what one of the texters just sent in, Joe, where the texter said, I come from the perspective of truth-seeking and wanting to dialogue slash share and propose ideas, not impose beliefs. I hope that makes sense. God bless you both. Well, thank you. And I, it does make sense. It is about, you know, sharing and dialoguing. And that's what I'm trying to figure out here. It's kind of hard as a Catholic to wrap your head around this. And I, I want to know what you're hearing in the church and from your fellow parishioners. All right. 803-0930. Pete in Buffalo will be our first caller this Sunday. Pete, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing all right, Pete. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. What do you got for us this morning? Okay, uh, earlier on, I think you mentioned, um, you threw out the phrase separation of church and state. Yes. Okay, number one, Justice Hugo Black in 1945 served warning about us people throwing that term around like it's some type of part of our Constitution. It's not. Okay, number one. Now, as far as Mr. Higgins goes or any other politician, they have an unequivocal right to express their views on whatever, if they're Buddhist, Catholic, Baptist, whatever, they do have that right to express their views because that's what their that's their religion. He's not speaking as a politician here about the bishop. He's speaking as one that follows Catholicism. Okay, number two, this present bishop now, 
yes. In my opinion, number one, he should be ostracized. Why? Because, number one, he has uh, continued the cover-up of of these atrocities over the years, and it's nothing new. Now, what he's trying to do, though, by him covering things up, this is just my spin on this thing, he is trying to protect the institution rather than promoting truth as Jesus did. So once you begin to, 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 to compromise on the truth, then you're going to have these, these, these cover problems. But if he were just straightforward and say, hey, you know, we have to do something about these issues, regardless of who gets hurt, because Jesus said the truth will set you free. So that's just my sentiment. Thank you. And both of you have a great day. I, I think Pete. you make some very valid points. Thank you. Pete. Great call, it, Pete. You know what, Joe? It really is that, that the bishop is, as you pointed out, covering up what had happened in the past. And when these recordings became uh, public, it sounds like a bad soap opera. It, it, I mean, it really is, uh, you know, these love triangles and uh, the, t- the bishop talking about, you know, he's going to be out if this gets revealed. And, and isn't that really the definition of a cover-up yeah exactly <laughs> so and, I, I don't i don't understand people who are supporting keeping the bishop in place and the movement to restore trust i mean this is a pretty powerful group of people who called out the bishop and it was time for him to resign you're talking about doctors lawyers you know very prominent people in the buffalo community and when they say it's time uh, i think it, it's pretty obvious that there, it's very difficult to defend bishop malone right now for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, very powerful Catholics, and you know they were behind them until uh, Thursday, and then they released a statement. A few members of that group uh, spoke solely as well, uh, and, and yeah, you, you know, like, like I said at the beginning of the show, like I said on Friday, uh, you can still be a devout Catholic, you can still go to church every day, but if you. I, if you really do love your church as much as you show, and I know a lot of people are sincere, I, my, this is my personal opinion as a non-Catholic, I think the best move for the continuation, for the progression of the church and to get out of, Bishop Malone does say one thing right, this is an awful storm. I just don't think he's the person to guide you through. Uh, no, I don't think so either. And it's been brewing for a long time and it's only getting worse and more and more revelations are coming out. And, um, you know, kudos to the the principles of good journalism and to solid reporting um, like they had done here at WBEN, like they had done at Channel 7 with Charlie Speck leading the way and the other outlets in town. Uh, this is a tough story for a lot of people. This is a very heavily populated Catholic area. You know, the church is an iconic presence in our community. And somebody else points out on the text, bat, uh, text board, too, about... Uh, how it's a money thing. You know, the church is a a financial institution. Well, there's no denying that. And I've been to the Vatican a few times. You walk in there, you realize there's a lot of money involved with the Catholic Church. But that does not mean that you can't have a strong religious faith and that the principles of Catholicism can still ring true. This kind of cover-up, no matter what the religion happened to be, if this was in another religion, is wrong across the board. It's wrong. And the leader who is covering it up and denying it and trying to deflect attention and barring members of the media from being at a press conference should be gone. Should be gone yesterday. Yeah, and like you said, Tom did a great interview on Friday. However, from the bishop, I heard a lot of excuses. A lot of excuses. 803-0930. Before we go to break, here is what Brian Higgins said about what the bishop is more concerned with. 
These kids are experiencing all kinds of problems as a result of the abuse that they endured. And this is a bishop that has failed to lead in doing the very things that he said he would do. There's no transparency here. And again, it's in his own voice, and in his own words, that he is really most concerned about self-preservation. We are taking your calls after this. It's Hardline. Welcome back to Hardline. 10.52, eight minutes away from another update with Alan Harris. But hey, we've got a full bank of calls, so let's uh, start there, shall we, Brenda? Absolutely. All right, we'll start with Ed and Tanawanda. Ed, good morning. Good morning, sir. What do you got for us today? Well, one thing I think you people need to recognize is that the Catholic Church is not a democratic organization. It is a, an organization that basically is run by the, at the top by the Pope, okay? And what I feel should be here is that Pope should send a representative down here, look into this uh, diocese where he appointed the, the bishop, and he has the authority to unappoint him, and should be investigated from that point of view. The other thing that I think uh, <clears throat> holds well for the bishop in, in that during his uh, stay here, he's... Uh, instituted this situation where uh, people could put in a claim against the church uh, and two independent judges uh, supposedly uh, uh, looked at the merits of their accusations and they made a substantial amount of money that they paid out. I think last number I heard was uh, you know like 17 million dollars and in effect it was an effort by the church to kind of you know uh, give uh, you know, so, some compensation to the people who who were hurt, and they uh, and many of these people accepted uh, those uh, decisions. They and they accepted the money. So I think that was a, an effort by the bishop to to make good on the past uh, the past uh, uh, sins of the church. Well, it seems like that's uh, sort of the tip of the iceberg, don't you think? That there's a lot of other things going on here with the bishop that he has not handled properly. Uh, cover-ups, um, trying to move people around like a chess game if they were accused of something and keeping them in churches that they should not be in charge of. I think that's just a small part of what he did. And, you know, in the bishop's defense, he certainly inherited a mess. But well, I don't think he's making it any better. And, and there's a fundamental structure to the church, I think, that's very difficult to navigate through. So it's tough, I think, for anybody to step in and clean this up. But I don't think the current bishop is helping things in the way he's handling it. But I see. I, I I guess I'm trying to look at this objectively as I can. Okay, I uh, the good that he's tried to do by compensating those who have been hurt is to me is a commendable decision. And yes, I, I understand there is also the objective of maybe trying to uh, avoid uh, uh, you know having to pay out more money. But he did make that effort, and I think that should be recognized. And and I'm not sure. You know, we. I heard a little bit about this letter, all, all about you know the uh, to the seminary, and uh, I mean these are things that I'm not ready to condemn either party for that. Well, <laughs> what about the cover-up, though? 
Well, uh, what did he cover up? Give me a specific... A specific specific cover-up. As you mentioned, the letter with Father Yetter. That's one of many. Listen to the tapes uh, when he says, if this gets out, it's the end of my uh, of me being bishop. Right there, that's a cover-up. If, if this gets out, which means he knows of something, that if the public becomes aware of it, will ruin him as bishop. The fact he's not coming forward with it is a cover-up. Well, I'm, you know, there's a lot of things that go on between private in private conversations. That's the other thing. There's other. Uh, what about all the documents that were in the 60 Minutes episode last October? I didn't see that. Well, <laughs> all right, Ed, thanks for the call. That's Ed in Buffalo. Opens up a line for you at 803-0930. Let's go to Bob and Clarence. Wrong line, Joe. Bob and Clarence. Bob, good morning. Morning, Bob. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm not going to help you, Andy. I'm a little bit more emotional than this, and I, I would like to carry on with, with the other gentleman. I think he really hit some points. You had a slight point about the cover-up, but I think it's uh, a little bit uh, hyperbole. And these, uh, you, you may be confusing cover-ups with, um, uh, I'll say, I'll say uh, uh, sensitive uh, movements within an organization uh, to not embarrass it. Uh, um, many of these things, that these accusations, as, as the Pope said on your radio program, uh, have not been proven, and until they're actually substantiated with uh, hard evidence, uh, you, you can't make uh, major moves. I think this is a classic case of blaming the victim. The, po- the, the bishop's not the problem here. Uh, what's happening is a little bit of Catholic bashing and, and a little bit of contamination. And by that I mean uh, the uh, percentage of priests that are uh, doing anything uh, nefarious is really small when you figure there's a billion Catholics and hundreds of thousands of priests. It's really, statistics show it's not that much different than the general population. We had an example of a Boy Scout leader, as you can go on and on with what's going on there. And you also have to confuse pedophilia, uh, pedophilia with homosexuality. The pedophilia, of course, is uh, uh, unsustainable and unacceptable. Homosexuality, that's questionable, and in today's society, it's almost acceptable nowadays. So there's some, uh, some mix-up over there. Um, the idea of celibacy being the problem is, is, is ludicrous. Uh, marriage has never been uh, a cure for infidelity. Uh, half the divorces end up with infidelity and, and that, so that's not the problem. And one fellow mentioned that there's a, the priests are being coerced into being celibate. Uh, becoming a priest is voluntary. Nobody doesn't know what they're getting into. So this is nothing new. And the high standard that the church asks of, of these men, uh, that alone uh, speaks uh, uh, for the virtue of the church. Uh, if a few do uh, have some dalliances and fail, can you blame them? They're, they're asking uh, very extreme measures of these people. And probably 90% of the priests probably uh, maintained it. So I just wanted to mention that uh, to paint the church as being contaminated wrong and uh, uh, Well, hold on, Bob, before, before you hang up. is maybe inaccurate. Before you hang up, are you saying that no cases of pedophilia have been proven? Or substantiated in the Buffalo Diocese? No, no, of course not. No, I, I, as I said, there's a small percentage, and the percentages uh, statistics have shown is equal in a population that size to the general public. So there's not uh, uh, anything way out of whack, really skewed that much. Of course not. But, but to cover it up just compounds the problem. Right, and... and, and I say it again, please? Uh, be- to cover it up just compounds that problem. Well... I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that, uh, but the idea of cover-up, uh, 
depends on different things. Remember, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the culture is totally different. And uh, if you were divorced, you were embarrassed at that time. So uh, finding, say, uh, homosexuality, that was, that was different. Uh, the times are changed, so uh, we need to put in perspective of the, of the era we're talking about. But hold on, Bob. If you're uh, – say you are a homosexual, but you – you ha- you make contact with someone that's not uh, con- consensual on both ends. That's still abuse. Well, of course, I, I'm not saying there's no abuse. What I'm saying is that uh, there seems to be a hyperbolic uh, uh, painting of, of the of the theology and of the church uh, with a few people. There has been a, we have to, you have to admit homosexuality has been a very aggressive minority. Uh, it, it's, it's pervader society. Even our uh, sitcoms have homosexuals, and we accept it. Uh, when I, I'm in my 70s, in, in a, you know, when I was in my 30s, this was unheard of. So the the culture has changed, and, and so the the manner in which we deal with this has changed also. So you're trying to measure decades ago with today's, today's ruler. But I think we're talking about abuse and cover-up, not so much talking... pedophilia and homosexuality. That isn't the issue. It's the abuse and the cover-up. Scale of understanding what's going on here. And to just paint the church and paint the, the bishop as being abhorrent is probably a little unfair. All right. I, I think, we are, like Brenda said, I think we're confusing two different things. I think we're talking—Brenda and I are talking about abuse— be it pedophilia or someone who's having non-consensual contact with someone, it's abuse both ways, and they both shouldn't be stood for, and they have both been covered up by this bishop in this diocese. I have one thing to say before the news. If Jesus was the bishop, I don't think there'd be any cover-ups. Well, and the other thing, Joe, if the, if the bishop wants to be transparent and say that he should remain in place, why is he barring certain reporters from being at a press conference? Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, it is a man. The bishop is a man of God. And I, I, I would just say if Jesus was on earth, if Jesus was here right now on earth, if we could talk to Jesus, I don't think he'd be too happy with the bishop. I don't think so either. 803-0930. Mr. Alan Harris, I went way too long here. It's all you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.